Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. So if you will, go ahead and take out your Bibles, if you will, please, and, and I want you to turn, actually, to Acts 27. Uh, 28 is the shake-it-off portion, but I want you to look in Acts chapter 27. Uh, today I'm going to be finishing up, wrapping up the series that uh, we've been talking about as far as life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. And we've been really unpacking that thought process over the last uh, several several weeks together uh, and hoping and praying that it's been beneficial to you, that you've learned some things, and we all go through storms. We all have difficult places to go through. Uh, we started this this idea, this theme, uh, the very first uh, Sunday coming into the brand new year of January, uh, because in 2017, there's going to be some hard places for us all to get through. I mean, it's just called life, right? Life has its mountaintops and it has its valleys, and and uh, so I was just really felt impressed in the Spirit, impressed of the Lord to try to equip you with some things that could help you uh, to be a student and not be a victim, right? Uh, because we don't have to go through life being a victim. We need to go through life being a student, learning some things, discovering some things, uh, and realize that God is orchestrating it all for, for our good, to use us for his honor and for his glory. So in Acts chapter number 27, I want you to turn in your Bibles there, uh, if you will, and I just want to begin reading a little bit in this great uh, this great chapter. Hold on a minute. Let me turn off my Wi-Fi because I've got things going on here. Okay. By the way, if you have your Logos Bible software app, I want to encourage you to use that for those that use your um, uh, your digital devices, and you can follow along with all the scripture and everything uh, that's on the screen. There'll be notifications there there for you. But in Acts chapter 27, look, if you will, in verse number 13. Acts chapter 27 and verse number 13. I don't have anything on the screen here for this. I just want you to look in, your, in the scripture together and let's glean a little bit from this. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up with a, a point or two uh, and then maybe a testimony or two here, okay? So in Acts chapter 27 and verse number 13, I like the heading in my Bible. It simply says, the storm-tossed ship. Uh, you take out the word ship and put life right there, and that could be very true for all of us, right? Uh, the storm-tossed life or the storm-tossed ship. But look in verse number 13. It says, when a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they had achieved their purpose, and they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But not long after, look in verse 14, not long after a fierce wind called the northeastern rushed down from the island. Has life ever been going kind of smooth for you? As it was for them in verse number 13, there's just a gentle wind that's blowing, and uh, they set up camp if you will they drop the anchors of the ship and everything's going as planned right then all of a sudden verse 14 happens that little gentle wind that we're experiencing that we're living in life all of a sudden turns into a fierce wind called a northeastern now that's what they're calling it in the scripture you call it whatever it is that may be happening to you you ever had a fierce wind come your way 
Uh, everything be going well. It's a gentle breeze that's blowing. You're enjoying whatever it is that you're, whatever that portion of life it is that you're involved in at that particular moment. And then all of a sudden, a northeastern strong wind comes and it rushed down the island. Verse 15, since the ship was caught and was, was unable to head into the wind, as we gave to it and were driven along after running under the shelter of a, of a little island called Caudium, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. And after hosting it up, uh, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship. And so anyhow, they're locking down from this fierce wind that is hitting them. Verse 18, because we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo on the next day. And on the third day, they threw the ship's gear overboard with their own hands. Now, here's the time frame. I'm, I just want you to get a picture of this. I'm just going to hit some high spots in this, in this uh, chapter. But if you really want a really good study, spend some time in Acts chapter 27 and Acts chapter 28. And make it applicable to your life. And you'll see some things on how you can respond in the right way by studying this passage of scripture here. But I want you to see where the storm got worse. The ship was severely battered by the storm. You ever been there? The situation that you're facing in life or that you faced at one time in life or that you may be facing right now in life. Maybe started out with just a gentle breeze and things were going well. All of a sudden the northeastern storm started. That's what they called it and labeled it at that point. Now the ship is being battered by this storm. I want you to notice now they're in their third day. Now this storm is going to go on for a couple of weeks for them to where eventually the ship is completely destroyed as a result of the storm. But I just want you to see that sometimes life is going good. But then all of a sudden, the northeastern storm hits. And they are now in their third day. And they're throwing things overboard to try to save the ship. Verse 20. For many days, get this now. For many days, neither sun nor stars appeared. And the severe storm kept raging. I think we all can relate to that. Finally, look at this portion. Finally, all hope that we would be saved was disappearing. Now, I want you to see the raging storm that they're in. Everything was going smooth. There was a gentle breeze. They were enjoying life. All of a sudden, this strong northeastern storm came and hit them while they're on the ship. They anchor down. They're trying their best to salvage the ship. The storm is battering the ship. They're throwing things overboard for many days. It says that they could not see the sun or the stars. I mean, they are in a storm. You ever been there? I think all of us have been there from time to time. And there's several of those major storms that have happened in my life. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the little things. I'm talking about maybe sometimes those big things. You know, I remember when my wife had cancer, that was a big thing. And then there was a couple other storms that happened in our life, maybe not as big as that, but some other strong storms that came. So I'm talking about those things that really what is happening, if you would go through that, and two things I talked about last week, having compassion for others and having confidence in God, if you would go through that, experiencing that, and being a student and trying to learn some things and see what it is that God is doing instead of being a victim, then you're going to come out on the other side of that greatly being able to be used by the Lord. And that's what I want you to see here with the Apostle Paul in the storm that he is going through. All hope now is gone. 
that they're going to be saved through this storm. Verse number 22, the apostle Paul stands up in verse 21. He says, uh, in verse 21, he says, you men should have followed my advice and not set sail for Crete and you wouldn't have sustained this damage. So they had counsel not to go that way. They made a bad decision, went that way anyhow, right? And now they're facing the consequences. That's a whole nother message. But look at verse 22. Now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any lives, but only of the ship. Now Paul is telling them, take courage. We're not going to die in this storm. Matter of fact, no one is going to die in this storm. The only thing we're going to lose is the ship. But we and ourselves are going to be okay. You ever had those storms in your life? I mean, I remember oftentimes as we were raising our family and serving the Lord and, and just kind of following the path that we felt God was leading us, I would get my family around me and my wife, and I would say, listen, we may lose everything. We may lose the house. We may lose the cars. We may lose everything. But as long as we've got each other, that's all we need. I said, I've got enough friends. I can pitch a tent in somebody's backyard, right? You know what I'm saying? So don't get so caught up in the ship or in the stuff. Paul is saying, you're going to lose the stuff. Now, in this storm, that's what he's saying. We're probably going to lose this ship. But I want you to be of good courage. None of us are going to be destroyed. And guys, there'll be some storms that come your way from time to time when you're going to have to have that type of confidence in God to where you can rise up and say, you know what? We ourselves will be saved the stuff around us may get destroyed, but we ourselves will be saved. By the way, you can't take the stuff with you anyway, right? Some people get anchored into the stuff so much, they're of no heavenly use whatsoever. It's not about the stuff. It's about our soul and our relationship and our friendships and relationships one with another, right? Paul is saying we on the ship are going to be okay. We may lose the ship. But none of us are going to die in this storm. How does he know that? Let's keep reading. Verse 23. For this night, an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And look, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, verse 25. Take courage, men, because I believe God that it will be just the way it was told me. Now, that is faith. Would you agree? That is confidence. If you're going to get through the storms of life, a couple things have got to take place. You've got to be willing to lose the stuff. It's not about the stuff. Are you with me? The ship may get battered. The ship may be completely destroyed. It's not about the stuff. But it is about our relationships. It is about each other, right? And so he's, one, he's saying that I believe God. Paul had confidence in God. Because in the midst of the storm, God sent his messenger, an angel of the Lord to him, and told him at that point, no one on the ship will die. No one on the ship will be destroyed. The ship itself will be battered. We may lose it, but not one person on the ship will be destroyed or die. And he stood up with boldness, and he told those other men on that ship, 
that were worrying and fretting about losing their life in that storm. And he said, therefore, take courage, men. I like this. Because I believe God. You go a little further and he even tells them, if anybody jumps out of the ship, you're going to die. I don't, have, I, can't, I don't have any promises for you guys that jump out of the ship. And some had tried to put down boats and were going to go out on their own and do their own thing. And he said, you jump out of the boat, I have no promises for you. But if you stay on the ship, I promise you none of us will die. You know, that's kind of true in our lives. The storms come, right? And sometimes we think, well, maybe this thing called church and Christianity and God is not all it's cracked up to be. And we jump ship. Well, I promise you, honey, you jump ship. You get off that old ship of Zion, and you get away from Jesus, and you get away from God, there's no promises for you, right? There's, there's no hope for you. Our hope is anchored in the person of Jesus Christ, in the God that we serve, in the God that we, we love, in the God that we're faithfully serving. That's what Paul is saying here. So with all that being said, I just want to give you that backdrop of Acts 27 and let you know that storms are going to come in your life. Things are going to be going great. There's going to be a gentle breeze, and you're going to have your feet over the bow of the ship, and you're going to be enjoying that breeze and the cool water that's splashing on your face and your hair, if you have any, it's flying in the wind, and it's going to be a joyful time. But all of a sudden, that gentle breeze can quickly turn to a major storm. Are you with me? I just want you to have confidence in God, and that's my message today. There's two things as we go through life, as we have the storm in Acts 27, as we have the snake bites of life in Acts chapter number 28, there's two things that we must have in order to be used of God. One is compassion for people, right? We talked about this last week, and we spent all last week simply talking about how to have compassion for people. And we've got to realize that God brings us through the storms not to destroy us, He really brings us through the storms to build us up and to make us stronger. And he's not being cruel to us. What he's doing, he's preparing us for ministry to be used by God. So now we're through the storm. We've seen what God has done in our life. We go back and we kind of evaluate that and we see the process. We see some things that took place. We have confidence in God, but we have compassion in people. So if we have compassion for other people, now we look around and we may find some other people that are going through the exact same northeastern storm that we went through. You know what we're able to do now? Because we came through that storm, we're able now to turn around And share with that individual. And the thing in our life that oftentimes causes us the greatest pain. I want you to think about that. What is that thing in your life? Maybe there's a couple of them. But what are those things? Or what is that thing in life that maybe you've shed more tears over than anything else? Maybe that one thing in life that you've had to go through that hurt you so deep, that was so painful for you to get through, it's going to be a little bit different for all of us. But I want you to think about what is that one painful experience or multiple painful experiences that you feel you have been through that now you're on the other side, the storm has settled, you're on the other side now. I want you to think about that. Because oftentimes in life, our greatest storms that we have gone through, God can use those 
and turn that around to where that is our greatest contribution or ministry or gift that we can give back to other people. Now, I want you to think about that because God wants to use you. So oftentimes he will allow us to go through hard places so that when we get to the other side, we're able to turn around and minister to other individuals and other people. Now, to do that, you've got to have two things. You've got to have compassion for people, and you've got to have confidence in God. Well, what does confidence mean? Real quickly, let me try to share this with you, and then I want to change gears here for just a moment. Confidence in God, the word itself just simply means this. I have it on the screen for you. It's faith or belief that one will act in a right or proper or effective way. Faith or belief that one will act in a right, proper, effective way. Now, that's the confidence that we have in God, right? As a Christ follower, as a child of God, living out our Christian walk, it's important that we live out our Christian walk with confidence in God. That He, God, is going to act the right way, be the proper person, work the effective way in our life. We're trusting God for all things in our life. Romans 8.28, Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. So we're trusting and having confidence in in God. It's when we allow maybe sin to to get into our life that we start losing that confidence from time to time. It's when we take our eyes off of Jesus or off the cross and maybe put our eyes on our situations and the storm that we start losing that confidence. But I want us to be men and women like the Apostle Paul that stood up in the midst of that storm that was raging. Many days went by, they did not see the sun, nor could they see the stars or moon at night. They were in the midst of a storm for many, many days. But he stood up and said, men, take courage. The God that I serve sent me a message that everybody's going to be okay. Now that's confidence in God, right? So as you live your life, yes, we've got to have compassion for other people. But we must also have confidence in the Lord. And the truth is this. We are not to have confidence in anything else other than God. Now let that sink in. It will be a lot easier for you to get through these storms if you would decide today that I am not going to have confidence in anything else other than God. By the way, that scripture says that that we are to live by faith. And if we don't live by faith, it's going to be difficult to please God. We please Him by living by faith. Well, what is faith? Faith is total confidence in God. So as we go through our life, we've got to display this confidence in God. Not confidence in our job. Not confidence in another person. Not confidence in a ministry or a church. Right? But confidence in... Finish it for me. God. That's it. Let me share a few verses of scripture with you. I'm going to just hit these really quick. Psalm 44 and verse number six. It says, for not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. Now the psalmist was just drawing attention to the fact that my confidence is in God. It's not in my bow. I don't put my trust there. It's not in my sword. 
I don't put my trust there. I put my trust in the Lord. Hebrews 4 and 16, the passage that Dustin read for us this morning. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in the help of need. So whenever we're in that time when we need help of need, with confidence we need to draw close to the Lord. Galatians 5 and 10. I have confidence in the Lord that you would take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear. In other words, he has confidence in those individuals that they're going to place their confidence in the Lord. Philippians 1 and 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God has been working in you. Yes, we're going to go through some storms, but he is going to bring it to completion. So we need to have confidence and trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3.26, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. You see all these verses talk about our confidence is in the Lord. How could the Apostle Paul stand up in that storm and tell these men to take courage? We're going to lose the ship, but none of us will die. How could he do that? He had confidence in God. And that's the whole point of this message today. It's really a one-point sermon. Simply have confidence in God. 1 Peter 5 and 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Confidence in God. Now, guys, as you're going through storms, I just want you to resolve in your mind that you're going to have that confidence in God. You've got to have that faith in God that he's going to see you through, right? Well, let me give you another verse here. First John chapter 3 and verse number 21. Uh, this is going to change gears a little bit here, but I want you to get this. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 21. It says, Dear friends, if, everybody say if, if what? Read it for me. If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So, it is possible then, with this verse, to not have confidence, Right? Are you with me? If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So let me ask you a question. Does your confidence ebb and flow? Does your confidence in God ebb and flow? I mean, you have those days when you feel like you could charge hell with a water pistol and just swing over hell on a spaghetti noodle and just shoot everybody in hell with a water pistol. You ever feel like you have that much confidence in God? Sometimes we do, and then we turn around, and the least little thing that happens, it can be a small thing, and it seems like our world is crashing down around us, and we've completely lost confidence in God. Am I the only one that ever feels like that? So our confidence in God, we have this ebb and flow that takes place in having confidence with God. So if God is going to use me in ministry, two things we must have together. One is what? Compassion for people. Number two is confidence in God. We've got to learn how to care and love and look after one another and be concerned about one another, not just ourselves. But secondly, we've got to have confidence in God. So we've got to grow in our confidence. But our confidence, according to 1 John three twenty one, can ebb and flow. There's things that can take place in our heart 
that will condemn us to cause us to lose confidence in God. Are you with me? Let's talk about a couple of those real quickly. I want to give you two. There's two things I believe we can find in Scripture. Matter of fact, give me the next quote there, Phil, before I get to that. Here's what I want you to see. In this particular verse, 1 John 3, 21, I, I want it to roll into this. When we face life's hurts and habits and hang-ups and hard places that we've got to get through, the storms of life, it's important that we walk out of self-condemnation and into the faithful confidence that we have in God. Now, 1 John 3.21 says, If my heart condemns me, I can lose my confidence in God. And oftentimes, whenever we lose our confidence in God, we feel like such a failure that it's hard to regain that and get that back. Okay? So let's look at a couple of things here. What causes this self-condemnation? What causes us to lose confidence in God? And I'm hitting these two things because I don't want you to lose confidence, right? We've got to know that there's a God in heaven who loves us. There's a God in heaven who promises he'd meet all of our needs according to his riches in glory. There's a God in heaven who promised us that he'd never leave us, he would never forsake us. There was a God in heaven that says all of my promises are yea in Christ Jesus. So we have a God in heaven that's given us some great and mighty promises, but oftentimes we lose confidence. Why? Why do we lose confidence in God? Well, I think there's maybe two reasons. One is unresolved guilt. And you'll look in this psalm, in Psalm 32, in verse number 3, King David is writing this psalm. And he says this, There was a time when I wouldn't admit what a sinner I was, but my dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with frustration. King David said, There was a time when I had guilt in my heart and in my life. Unresolved guilt. There was a time in my life when I would not admit my sin and my faults and my failures to God. I ran away from them. I did not want to acknowledge them. You know what it cost him? It cost him his confidence in God. The same thing for you. If we run around in our life with, with unconfessed sin or unresolved guilt and we haven't dealt with those things in our life, then it's going to cause us to lose confidence in God. Right? I like what D.L. Moody said. D.L. Moody said, keep a short record with God. In other words, confess your sins daily. That's what 1 John 1, 9 is about. And, and get out of this self-condemnation mode. I want you to look to your neighbor on the right. Go ahead, look to the right. Everybody look to the right. Look who's sitting beside you, okay? Now, I want you to look to the left. Look at that person who's sitting behind you. Now, what I want you to do is something that I would get flipped in the ear when I was a little boy in church. I want you to turn around and look who's behind you, right? My mom would never let me do this in church. Turn around, turn around right now and see who is behind you. Now, I want everybody to look at me. Do you realize everybody, including me, that you just set your eyes on is not a perfect person? Do you realize every person that you just looked at has sinned? Do you realize every person that you just looked at needs to live their life every day in 1 John 1, 9 that says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Every person that you just looked at, I don't care what type of a pedestal you may put them on, which I encourage you to put nobody on a pedestal, right, except Jesus. He's the only one worthy to be on any pedestal. Every person you just looked at has sinned. Every one of us. There's sins of commission. 
There's sins of omission. There's sins of things we've done. There's sins of things we should have done that we did not do. All of us are sinners. I want you to get that. But all of us can be redeemed. And all of us can be forgiven. And all of us can be cleansed. And all of us can find purpose and meaning in our life. And all of us, once again, because we may have unresolved guilt in our life and unconfessed sin in our life, we may lose our confidence. But all of us can regain our confidence in God again if we just fall on our knees at the foot of the cross and ask Jesus to forgive us. Then, boom, baby, you'll get up from there walking in confidence. Are you with me? Unresolved guilt. If you have that in your life, King David had it in his life. There's chapter and verse for it right there. He had it in his life. And he lost his confidence in the Lord. Oh, that's good stuff. Let me give you another one here. There's more I could say about that, but I'm going to go on because there's something I want to do here real quickly, and then we're going to close. Let me give you the second one. Unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. These are things that can cost, cause your heart to lose confidence in God. I want you to look what the Bible says about this. In Psalm 119, in verse number 96, it says, Even perfection has its limits, but God's commands have no limit. Even perfectionism or perfection has its limits. You know what this is? This is kind of known as being a perfectionist. And there's a lot of people in the world that suffer from this. And you're looking at the chief of sinners <laughs> in this particular area. I mean, I, I really want to strive for that. And sometimes it is to my, um, my downfall that I fall into this. And so this is one of the things that I have to confess often to the Lord that oftentimes causes me to stumble or sin. Because perfectionism is the feeling that I must be flawless, that I must please everybody, that I always have to do more, and I'm not allowed to relax. And the list goes on and on and on about perfectionism. So if you are a perfectionist, you know what your favorite phrase is? Your favorite phrase is, boy, I should have done that. I must do that. I ought to do that. I have to do that. You know, if that's you, if those phrases are in your vocabulary, then you probably identify with me. So this is, hello, my name is John. I am a sinner. I am a perfectionist, right? Uh, I am. That's my downfall. One of my many downfalls. We've always got to do more. Matter of fact, get this. An average person. How many of you guys have those to-do lists? I mean, you have them every day. I mean, I have them. They're my phone. They're my tablet. I mean, I've got them. I mean, I, I, before I go to bed at night, I look at what I've got to do the next day. I look at what I've got to do this week. I look at my plan for the month. I mean, it's just boom, 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 staying on top of that stuff. An average person will look at their to-do list, and let's just say they have three items on their to-do list for the next day. They get up, and item one, they go, and they accomplish, and it's done. Item number two, they look at it and say, okay, I'll start that. But they leave item number two completely unfinished. And then they get home, and they sit in their recliner, and then they realize they completely forgot about item number three. Okay? So of the three things on the list for the average person, they get one done, One's left unfinished. The other they completely forgot about. But here's the beautiful thing about an average person like that. They can go home and kick back in the recliner, put their feet up, enjoy the evening, and feel good about themselves. At least I got one thing done. Right? 
Now, that's not the case for a perfectionist. You know that, right? A perfectionist now is going to have 29 things on their to-do list. They're going to start and complete 28 things on the list are done that day. Man, they've been all over it that day. But they fail to finish number 29. They go home, sit in the recliner, kick their feet up, and they feel like a total failure because they only got 28 of the 29 things done. One's been left undone. They're like, oh, my goodness, I can't even enjoy myself this evening, nor can I rest or relax because I left that one thing undone. How many of you guys relate with me a little bit right there? Some of you, most of you, a lot of you. (laughs) We got to let that stuff go, right? That stuff will be your demise. It will be your downfall. Now, listen, I'm proud of you for wanting to accomplish and get those things done, but we've got to let some of that stuff go. Guilt and unrealistic expectations can be our demise. It can cause us to lose confidence in God. 1 John 3:21. back to that verse again. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Now, guys, I realize it's, it's, it's 11.30. And I probably should be done right now. Did we get that done? We got that done. So I'm going to save a little time for that. I just want to wrap this series up. I've been on this for, for many weeks now. The premise of this whole message, this whole sermon series, is life is 10% what happens to you, 90% what? How you respond, react, right? And I've tried to unpack scripture to help you see that you're going to have some storms and hard places in life to get through. But as we're working our way through these storms and these hard places, and then as we get beyond them on the other side, I want you to turn back around. And I want you to think about your immediate family. I want you to think about your church family. I want you to think about your community. I want you to think about where you work. And I want you to rise up. And I want you to be a student of every storm you've gone through, not a victim, but a student, and then turn back around and have compassion towards people and minister to them. Because my wife went through cancer. I did not. I really cannot say to a cancer patient, I know exactly how you feel because I do not. I don't know how they feel, but my wife does. And God has been able to use her to minister to a lot of people that has gone through cancer because she's gone through that. So what I want us all to do here, I want us to leave here today determining our heart and our spirit that I'm going to have compassion towards people and I'm going to have confidence in God and I want what caused me some of my greatest pains in life to turn around and be one of my greatest ministries or gifts that I can give back to other people. And I want you to leave here with that one thing to do really the rest of your life because that's what the remainder of life is about learning growing gaining wisdom and then turning around and sharing that with other people so here's how i want to close out today and i hesitate doing this but i thought the lord laid this on my heart yesterday i bounced it off a few people and i'm going to see if we can do it here is here's what i want us to do for those that would like to participate And and I'm only going to give you 30 seconds, 45 seconds max. We don't have time for a life story here, okay? But maybe you can think of a time of a storm that you went through that you could explain real briefly. And the confidence 
that you now have in God because you look back and you see how he moved through that storm. Okay? Now, you don't have to unpack all the details, but I really want you to brag on Jesus right here and brag on God right here probably more than anything. Let's don't edify the storm. Let's, let's edify Jesus. Are you with me? Sometimes we get bogged down and we wind up edifying the storm more than the solution, which is Christ. And so I just thought maybe we could hear some from you. I stand up here and talk all the time, and I kind of empty myself. Now, remember, I'm going to let you go, Dan, but you gotta, I want you to think about it. I'm only going to give you 30 seconds, okay? So here, here we go, all right? No, come here, come here, come here. Come up here. Come right, come right here. I want you to take the mic. Why don't you go ahead, Dan, share? First of all, you cut me off, okay? Okay. <laughs> you, you know what I went through. My wife, you know, she had cancer, you know, and she went in for a mammogram and then she came home and told me they want to redo something and check something. I thought, no big deal. I'll just pray to God like I always do. And so I assumed God would take care of it. One of the things I learned, when you ask for something, you don't get it necessarily in your time. You get it when God does it. So remember, when you ask him for something, don't expect it always that instant. It may, so that we went by maybe a week or so later, she got a phone call. I'm sure it was longer than that. But they said she has cancer. And my wife turned to me and said, how do you feel? I felt abandoned. Personally, I felt abandoned because I didn't get from God what I was expecting. But again, I didn't allow God to take the time to respond. And that's the thing I first I didn't I came back and I said, wait a minute, God's going to do it in his time, not my time. Instantly, when we go to God, he's going to we expect it to be done now. You got to allow for God's time. And there was one other thing. I I think uh, this year I learned that we should. Maybe I should cut it off. But <laughs> but, but what, one other thing I learned that I'm up. You've passed the law. You're under grace right now. So cut me off. One thing I learned that there's a barrier, that because God gives us free will, he's going to let us do what we want until we get on our knees and say, God, I'm turning this over to you. And as a man, I know we tend to, oh, needs fixing? We go fix it. My wife would say, I'm just telling you about it. She doesn't expect a solution from me. Right. So that's the other thing we have to learn, how to get on our knees, ask God, let him know we're done trying to solve our problem, turn it over to him. Amen. Good. Timing, timing, and trusting God with it. That's a good one. I've been on both of those. Excellent. Anyone else? All right. Maurice? Uh I guess with um, being, I just relocated back here from Texas. I've been gone for three years and um, um, going through a divorce and all that. And uh, it's different because uh, when you really care about someone and they're not, it it doesn't work out the way you want it to work out, it's difficult. But I also know that the reason why I'm back here is for a good reason. And even why I'm here today, you know, uh, the message that you preached about, just hit home you know what i'm saying so uh i'm back home take care of my mother uh been back less than two weeks and been offered two jobs you know two jobs so i mean you, i mean i can't ask for more than the blessing that he's given me so um 
I'm very happy, you know, and I have much, much confidence in him because I know what he can do. Amen. And I've prayed on it, and I've moved on, you know, yeah. and that's it. Awesome, awesome. Praise the Lord. Brad, did you say you had something? I think most of you all have been along with me on, along the ride, um, but real briefly, my struggle, my storm was a heart attack. Um, I was 28, I think, when I had the heart attack. Too young to have a heart attack is what everybody told me, but here's the thing. I remember in the, ho- in the ambulance ride to the hospital, I wasn't afraid. Now, I should have been afraid because I remember bobbing in and out of consciousness, but I wasn't afraid. I don't know why I wasn't afraid at the time other than God's grace, all right? So through that grace, God used that heart attack, and I have ministered to other people. The most recent uh, time was actually last weekend. I was talking to my friend whose father, and or, well, stepfather, had just had a heart attack and had to have a heart cath and all that other stuff, and they were going back and forth on what they should do because they had this big vacation planned and stuff like that, and I was able to share my story and what I knew about it. So God didn't waste that hurt. Now, here's the other awesome thing about it is God took that that health incident that I didn't ask for, that I didn't want, and he took something as catastrophic as that, and he made me better on the other end for it, uh, physically and spiritually. Um, before, I weighed 330 pounds. Maurice, I don't know if you remember, you and I used to play softball together. I was a big guy, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Here, Here's how it would go. Brad would be on third base. You'd be up to bat. You'd hit the home run. You'd catch him before he got to home plate. <laughs> Now, now I'm having knee surgery, but if we play softball together again, I dare you to catch me. <laughs> All right, so I, yeah, yeah, years and pounds. I got to go with what works, Maurice. Um, so uh, thing is, is, is it doesn't matter to me now what I go through. I know that God has my best and or his his best intentions for me through that. And it may not be what I think it is, but you know, Paul says that we look through a window dimly lit. So what we think it is that would be great for us may not be it. And we just, that's the confidence in God. I have confidence in God because he's pulled me through that and he's proven himself loyal. So I, that's what, that would be my encouragement to you all is to have that confidence. Perfect. Andrea. So you guys all know that I did go through a very bad divorce. And, um, sorry. So I know how you feel, but I also know that through that, I am a very strong person, and God will use you if you allow him to, because I was not obedient, and God would say to me, Andrea, you need to step up, and I'd say, I can't, I'm not ready, I can't do it, but you know what, today I'm a stronger person for it. Because God used me, and I listened to him, and he is using me in ways that I am scared to death because I don't know what to expect. But, you know, when you turn your life over to God, you have to totally trust him. And if you do that, he will use you in ways that you cannot even imagine. So I challenge you, if God's speaking to you, please listen. Because without him, I don't know where I'd be right now. Amen. All right, Dan, do you have something? Time and time again, I've gone through some hardships over the years that has proven that, uh, you know, God will provide and take care of you. You know, like Andrea, I've gone through a 
a bitter divorce, not knowing if I'd ever remarry or fi ever find anyone again. Uh, you know, last year I had four different jobs. You know, job was secure. All of a sudden it got pulled out from underneath me, and I didn't know how I was going to provide for my family. You know, um, one, one of our daughters, you know, Lauren, she had a, what they initially said was a virus and then seasonal asthma wound up to be paraflu and pneumonia and wound up in a hospital uh, for over 24 hours. You know, and now she's just like a Ferrari running around like nothing ever happened. You know, so every every time something has happened in my life, I, you know, I, I pray to God and, and have total faith and confidence in the Lord that things will work out. And every time it has. Amen. All right, so kind of two things as you move forward. God, is, God never wants to waste an experience in your life. Painful experience, whatever, hurtful, whatever it is you've been through, God don't want to waste that. He, wants, he really wants to use that in and through you to be a blessing and minister and encouragement to other people. So compassion for people, confidence in God, and then think about those storms you've been through and look for opportunity to reach out and be a blessing to others, okay? That's kind of uh, the gist and how we're going to wrap up the whole sermon series. Did anybody else have anything else they want to share? Okay, yes, Tanya. A lot of people might not know this, but I had lung cancer in 2009. I had uh, small cell lung cancer, stage 2, and that was a shock. Didn't expect all that, but um, made it through. I used to complain to the doctors, you know, why am I doing all these CAT scans? We did the surgery. I'm okay. And he told me one day, and it hit me, he goes, 95% of people that have the cancer you have are dead in the first year. And I was like, okay. He goes, so the five percent, you're that five percent that we don't know what to do with you. I said, whoa, that hit home. And just going through all that with the lung cancer, I used to worry about everything all the time. And you can tell people now, I'm like, I don't worry about that. I'm like, I could have died, you know. And I saw that God got me through that situation. And so if you smoke cigarettes, I'm probably going to come talk to you. Because I talk to everybody about that. Don't smoke. All right. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you for allowing me to close out this sermon series just with some testimonies. I wasn't really sure how that would go over. Uh, it's not our normal thing to do here. Uh, but thank you for being involved. And, guys, we all go through storms. And so when you see somebody going through a storm, your church family, your immediate family, coworkers, neighbors, whatever, take time out have compassion on them and reach out and just say hey i'm here for you you know if anything i can do i can pray for you let me share with you how god answered in my life and you may not be going through the exact same storm they're going through but just share with them what your storm was and how god has seen you through it okay compassion for people confidence in god if you have those two things it's amazing what god can do in and through your lives as you reach out to other people that the northeastern storm acts 27 is hitting hitting their life okay so uh, look for those opportunities. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. 
If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.